The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. Ohio State's offensive line did it mostly, so why not TCU? The championship game is here. The latest on Jim Harbaugh, and what a way to wrap up a career at Penn State. College Game Day podcast for Wednesday, January 4th is here. Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and pleased to be joined by our buddy David Pollock first thing this morning. Um, so everybody had nice travels back, back home for a couple of days before we returned to the L.A. area for the national championship game. Pete, no any trouble getting back? All good? Travels were good? Oh, man. It was uh, it, it was it was smooth. I could mention that uh, ESPN was not available. I was like settling because I got a long flight, right? I was settling in for uh, the the last quarter of the uh, Cotton Bowl, and then I would have the whole Rose Bowl. And I sit down, and ESPN doesn't work on my TV in my Oh, flight. no. I was oh. like, oh. So I listened to, for the second time this season, our careful listeners will remember, the Utah radio broadcast. I couldn't get YouTube TV. The internet signal wasn't good enough. So finally, I, 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 I was just trying everything out to XM, and I listened to the Utah radio broadcast, which was a, like a sad trombone second half. <laughs> yeah, By the I'm way, sure. what, the, what the heck is going on with your internet? Welcome to the 2000s. How do you not have good internet? I mean, what, what's going on here? I don't have my internet's bad, David. Now you, uh, all of a sudden you get good internet and you become uh, you, you you become persnickety about others. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that word means, but yeah. Um, <laughs> did, did, you, did your uh, did your wife make did you did you have some baby duty? You should have had some baby duty right away. Oh yeah, she's in New York right now for work. So I just <laughs> I literally did dropped off Teddy and did four errands and got back to the condo at uh, 8.28 a.m. and sprinted into the room here. Um, what so, I'm talking about. Yes, yes. We are powered by Duncan this morning. I'm double-fisting. <laughs> double-fisting Duncan. <laughs> like, All right. Like, since, since we have no Duncan uh, uh, sponsorship, sponsorship yeah. right now, I will say <laughs> that out of a Yeti, I'm powered by Nespresso this morning. There David, what coffee do you have? I have uh, Costco, organic Costco beans. Hmm? Oh, now David is also persnickety about his coffee sometimes. That's too. true. Yeah, you you're grinding your own beans. Uh, you're not actually growing any coffee beans on that estate in Athens now, are you? No, we're not growing, but we have we have just over the years morphed and like just recently, the last couple of months, we go half caffeinated, half decaffeinated, and you pour them, you know, right into the back of the machine, and it grinds it for you fresh. It's pretty. It's pretty life changing. It definitely doesn't take a back seat to anybody else's coffee. It's pretty amazing. All right, I, I'm going to look forward to sampling that. I want to talk about the national championship game and the Utah Penn State game, but uh, first, first, end of the Cotton Bowl. You mentioned Cotton Bowl as you go. Tulane, USC, uh, cool. leaving Lincoln Riley one and four in bowl games, and with two of the uh, most agonizing losses one can imagine in terms of the loss to Georgia his first year in the Rose Bowl in the playoff and then for far different reasons and different circumstances absolute meltdown to lose 
the Cotton Bowl to Tulane, which Willie Fritz, as a nod to history, with one of my favorite lines of the postseason, second favorite to James Franklin's uh, How Old is Sean Clifford line. But Fritz said this is revenge for the 1932 Rose Bowl, which was <laughs> hilarious, which which I like. What what happened there? I mean, it was it was a defensive meltdown, Pollock. It had to make you want to stick forks in your eyes. Well, if you've been watching USC all, all year long, you've been sticking forks in your eyes all year long. There's no spots left to stick in. I mean, it's this is what they are. This is who they are. But the, the key point is, the key play was the Mario Williams, you know, bobbling the kickoff out of bounds mm-hmm. at the one-yard line, which set up Tulane to get the safety. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a complete meltdown. Listen, here here's one thing I've can, I'll say and I will continue to say. Lincoln Riley's never been good in these situations. Like, Clock management, I don't consider him very good. Game management, I don't, I don't consider him to be definitely elite in that category. Now, listen, we've also seen, you know, Kirby Smart struggle early in his career and get better and better and call the greatest timeout in the history of college football probably the other <laughs> night. Um, but, but it's just, it, it, was, it, was, it, was very, uh, it was very frustrating probably if you're a USC fan is to watch a team that you're way more talented than you have Caleb Williams scoring every possession almost, scoring at will, and, and you still find a way to blow a lead and lose the game. And, and, and worse, at the end of the game when it matters most, your defense is on the field, which is what you don't want. Mm-hmm. David, let me ask you this, because industry-wise going forward this week, it's an interesting crossroads for, for Lincoln Riley. Uh, Alex Grinch has been kind of his wingman since he got to Oklahoma. Um, remember, he he fired Mike Stoops after getting torched in Dallas by Texas uh, early in his tenure. And Grinch has been good for him at times, pedestrian for him at times. I don't think he's ever been as bad uh, as he was uh, in the Cotton Bowl. So it, you watch more film than anyone, David. Uh, do you think it's a schematic problem or a talent problem? Well, at, at USC right now, here's the thing. At USC, I don't think we should ever look at USC and go, they need to stunt 80% of the time. They need to do all this movement and all these different things to win because I think of USC and you think of USC probably a little bit different. Yeah. But I'll say this, their talent isn't, isn't great because of where they've been at for a little while and you know the transfers coming in. So I'll put it to you like this. I, I see a lot of flaws in the system that I would like addressed. Um, do you have to move that much? When you play zone, do you have to play as deep in the zones as you play? Like they drop off so far in zone. I mean, Dalton Kincaid was catching underneath passes uh, against them and just running for days because they play so deep. They're, they're a turnover or bust defense. I mean, they're either going to force something to happen because of, of, of their stunting and twisting and moving and all that stuff and, and force a turnover, which fumbles a lot of times, I, I think fumbles are – largely luck but it has something to do with hustle and it has something to do with technique there's there's little parts that play in that but they lived off of off of turnovers this season um and i just i don't i don't think it's a sustainable model it's a it's a defense that i look at and i'm like man there's there's a lot of holes and there's a lot of things that need to be fixed hey david that, that brings up a question that you know something i said a couple of days ago when you look at georgia's defense now and it's not what Kirby Smart would have grown up with in terms of in terms of being the boa constrictor and just eventually uh, stifling the life out of good offense. It's elite offense. You can do it to the teams that aren't as good. I get that. But USC, from a philosophical standpoint, almost feels like 
what you have to do to, to have some success defensively, meaning create negative plays or turnovers. And um, uh, Tui Tui Pelotu led the nation in sacks, so they they got sacks. They got He's some tackles. Yeah, they got some tackles for loss, and they got some turnovers. So would I be right to say that maybe while you know more than I do, you've forgotten more in the last five seconds, and I'll know football-wise, but philosophically, the idea of creating negative plays and turnovers and accepting the fact that people are going to score some points on you is okay. You just have to find a way to make them work for it a little harder than USC has. Is that is that a fair assessment of defensive philosophy in this modern age of offensive football? A hundred percent. It's not about, you know, everybody used to look at how many yards did they rush for and blah, blah, blah. Like yards don't matter to coaches anymore. Like they're not looking at yards. They're looking at when you get in the red area, can you be great? Can you be great on third down? Like they're looking at, and, and I know that sounds crazy, but you've gotten to the point now with space, with space and using space and, you know, over the years using tempo that you kind of like, all right, let's throw this out the window. But, you know, th those are two totally different styles. Kirby, you're not going to line up and pound him. Mm -hmm. That ain't going to happen. Like that's, he's not going to allow you to do that. Now, listen, you might throw for a lot of yards, but they're going to be contested yards. They're going to be yards where we're going to try to play tight coverage and we're going to play aggressive. You know, Grinch, I think, and them are aggressive up front, but the coverages are very loose. The coverages are very deep and giving up easy throws, easy completions. How about running the football just at will? Just yeah. Tajay, hand, Spear, handing the ball to him, and he's just running the football. That, that So that you've got to – sure, I'm good with tackles for a loss. I'm good with gambling a little bit. Mm -hmm. But you can't just be bludgeoned. Right. You can't be yeah. out physical, out toughed, like consistently throughout a game. I think that's where you'd say, you know, uh, as a defense, I'm not willing to live like that. So moving forward for USC, I think we're at an interesting point because the the narrative coming out of that game was don't waste Caleb Williams' 2023 because the, the 2022 version never quite manifested itself on the biggest stage because of defensive deficiencies. So my question is, you look at what they did in the portal last year. You start with Caleb, you go to Jordan Addison, you got Brendan Rice, you got Mario Williams, you took the left tackle Haskins from Virginia. And there were some defensive transfers. Uh, Beckman, the corner from Colorado, comes to mind. Uh, Shane Lee from Alabama came in and was probably, you know, one of their best defensive players. Your, whatever we are calling it, NIL capital, is that maybe the best term for it? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I feel like has to be shifted to that side of the ball, like in, in a lot of ways. You you have become transfer you. You have become destination you for that side of the ball. Time to, time to spend some money on some better players. Golly, that sounds so weird to hear, by the way. It's yeah, just, it's so I, yeah. I, on some I, better players. It, it's the way it is, it, just, uh, it is. It absolutely is. But here's the thing, and, and y'all know this. I, I don't know the dynamic, Reese, of Pete, of how do I build a team, but the best teams in college football yet each year are built through recruiting. The best teams are built through what they have, their culture, their guys growing up. I'm not saying they're not going to supplement. That's going to happen. Like you're going to find people that you pull in from the transfer portal. But I just don't think you can be a team every year that lives in the transfer portal. I, I, look at uh, Michigan State, Mel Tucker. Unbelievable year with, with the mm -hmm. transfer portal. Kenneth Walker, this year they sucked. I mean, they, they or Reese's term, they're ungood. Like, I just think <laughs> so. They're, they're, you're going to have to find a happy medium, but the majority of your team has to be through recruiting. That recruiting class they signed the last two years, it needs to come to fruition at USC. It needs to be 
playmakers that you've had now in your system for a year that you're going to have in your system immediately to start next year, especially with early enrollees, that they have to take shape and they have to be the majority of your team. It can't be transportal. I don't think you can do transportal you every year. You know, it, it's really, Peter used the word crossroads, interesting time after one year for Lincoln Riley. And a lot of it is because of what you said, uh, Pete, with Caleb Williams, you don't want to waste his 2023. And because they were able to do those things in the transfer portal and because it's USC and because of the way and to whom you lost the bowl game and also probably a little bit the way you lost the championship game. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about firing or making coaching changes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about momentum of being the it and the coming program and uh, getting the starry-eyed looks from all of the transfers and the high school guys. That's at stake already, which is crazy to say. But if they don't do it next year with Caleb Williams and address some of these deficiencies that we're talking about, they're still going to be good. Lincoln's still going to win. I'm not suggesting any type of change. I'm just saying that little tiny window that you get to capitalize to be the, for lack of a better term, the it program in the moment, the rising program of the moment is going to is going to slide by a little bit. Now, does that keep them from winning a championship in the future? Of course it doesn't. They could still do it. But capitalizing on that momentum of all eyes, what's Lincoln? Who's Lincoln going to get? Who's coming out there? Who's leaving? Oh, you better watch out for USC. That'll go away if they don't make the playoff next year. Well, and and, and they'll they can still win, but that part of it will, will go away. I think it's fair to say that as far as college football goes, I don't think anybody's built more stars than Lincoln Riley. Like Heisman Trophy stars individualism. Like it, he's been unbelievable at it and he sells it to a T. And listen, if I'm a high school recruit and he walks in my door and I'm a quarterback, I'm just all he's going to do is like, hold on, where's, hold on, let me hit Kyler real quick. Let me, let me hit, <laughs> I mean, Baker, let, let me hit uh, Caleb Williams. Like it, it's, it's going to be easy to do. Can Lincoln Riley make a team? Can Lincoln Riley develop a team? Can, that that's that's the question for me. I, I know he can get individuals. I, I know he can get superstars. I know he can get playmakers. I know he can coach the crap out of offense. But can he get to the point where he can coach everybody, lead everybody, get the best out of everybody, get a great defense at the same time? Can he win a playoff game? Like that? There's there's a start. You, you, we're getting to that. They're getting there consistently with his teams, but they're not good enough in the end when they get there to win a game. How about, how about this, with Oklahoma being 0-4 in the playoff and leaving the Big 12 soon, the Big 12 finally gets a playoff win with TCU. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. First year, Sonny Dykes. Yeah, yeah. So let me defend Lincoln here. I think going into this season, I watched USC sputter through 4-8 and eight last year, and they had a very pedestrian roster, especially really defensively. That's where they need to catch up the most. So in my estimation – the, the criticisms of Lincoln Riley's in, in the, the defensive collapse late in the season are a bit of zits on a Mona Lisa. The job he did taking that roster that he inherited from 21 and building an 11-win team that played for the conference title in 22 was generally remarkable. I mean, I think he gets an A-minus 
there's a dud at the end. But I really think that when you step back and look at the whole picture, boy, I did not think they had a chance to be a playoff team this year. I just thought there were too many variables, too many moving parts. And he did, in some sense, David, answer your criticism. I think he built a pretty good team. Now, it, it can you carry that on, address your weaknesses, and really develop it into a program? I thought they would be just a disaster on defense this year. Now they were bad at the end, but you still won 11 games. I mean, that's, that's hard to do. I don't care what league you're in, but here's the challenge for Lincoln Riley. You're not only building to win the PAC 12. Now you're building to go win the big 10 and your schedule is going to change drastically. Don't, don't think Fox isn't going to have Michigan, Penn state and Ohio state loaded up on those first big 10 schedules now for, you know, for TV purposes, just like ESPN would have, by the way, let me be clear about that. So the, uh, the challenge is you have to go build for for teams that are more equipped to exploit your defensive weaknesses at this point. And that's that's the that's the crossroads he's facing now is you're not just building for Caleb Williams to try to send him off. When Malachi Nelson rolls in his sophomore year and you're playing in the Big Ten, and I am a big believer in Malachi Nelson. I want to be very clear. I think he joins – I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, but he's going to join that assembly line of very high-end Lincoln Riley quarterbacks. He's as talented coming out of high school as any player in the last 10 years. And I think because Arch Manning's last name, he maybe hasn't gotten enough attention. But at the end of the day, I would take Malachi Nelson over Arch Manning in a, in a heartbeat. And I really think that the, the succession plan there is, is well aligned for him to learn for a year, flash some next year, and then go in. And the question is, will they have, will they be built to last on the other side of the ball? I, I will. I, I would say this. I didn't no, I did mean it to be somewhat critical of Lincoln. But my bigger thing is not your your points are all well taken and they're right in terms of the 11 wins and all of that and playing for the Pac-12 championship. But when you get bullied, it's one thing to get bullied by Utah. That happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And you get bullied in the running game by Tulane. And then you make a catastrophic error. Which, hey, look, that happens to everybody from time to time. But put all of those things together back to back. I'm just talking about losing some of the sizzle. I'm not saying he's a bad coach or did a bad job or anything like that. I'm just saying that. And I would even say this, and this will be a little disrespectful to Tulane, so let me apologize to that. (laughs) If you you had done that to somebody that had played in a major bowl game at some point between 1940 and last Monday, then maybe, maybe you get a little more grace. But with with Tulane coming in there, as they like to say in New Orleans, Tulane as opposed to Tulane, rolling in there and you haven't you not being able to put away Tulane with the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback is it's and and I think probably the uh, the demeanor in the post game news conference sort of spoke to that a little bit. It's a it's a kick in the. Good job, Reese, catching yourself. It's a kick in the gut. (laughs) (sighs) Caught myself there. I just had a quick cat tip, David, to uh, Willie Fritz, one of the gentlemen in the business. He was he's he's been around long enough. He was Michael Bishop's junior high gym teacher when he started his career in Texas. That's one of my like mind blowing stats of uh, of all time. Just like Jim Laranig and Russ Smith playing for the same high school basketball coach in in New York. Uh, Yeah, the the Michael Bishop gym teacher is one of the one of the all time ones. Willie Fritz is one at every level. And you know what? There's something to be said for a dude who finds a way to win. And uh, if you're Georgia Tech this morning sitting there and all you had to do was wait five days to hire the guy and you didn't do it. I don't know how that decision is going to roll over. 
Yeah, yeah that, that decision agree. was like at the very, very top at Georgia Tech. Not to, mm-hmm. yeah. I, oh yeah, I, no, I like, there's no I doubt. Like the, yeah, yeah. Like beyond the, beyond uh, the guy who get the credit or blame for the current hire. So. But I love the uh, the zits on the Mona Lisa was pretty special to to recap. <laughs> I, I like that. I I, I prefer the. Um, you know, you, 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 first things you first things you got to fix the flood in the basement, right? Like you, you got to yeah. with Lincoln, like the Lincoln, you got to fix the defense at some point. And it, by the way, it, it's not it's not just his first year at USC without players. They sucked at Oklahoma too. They, they shouldn't suck that bad on defense. Like you shouldn't consistently not have any kind of balance on your football team. That's on you to fix it. The game management of the clock. That's on you to fix it. Those are real things that you saw. Utah, I didn't know what the heck they were doing. I mean, not taking timeouts for the first game when Utah's driving and they're going in to score and try to take the lead, and you're sitting on timeouts and you finish a game with two timeouts, like horrible clock management. So, um, I, I know again, Lincoln will get stars, but unless he fixes that defense and, and the game management and stuff like that, I don't know that he's ever going to win a natty. Looking to next year as we are, but let's. I want to go to Georgia TCU in a minute. But before we do, let's take a quick little peek at the Rose Bowl. Um, second half, Penn State dominates the game. Nicholas Singleton had a long touchdown run, third longest in Rose Bowl history, which uh, evoked images of Kajana Carter in the Rose Bowl and Saquon Barkley in the Rose Bowl. And now they've got the Drew Aller era starting and is that a do you look at that, Pete, as a potential jumping off point for Penn State? We overblow sometimes momentum from one year to the next, but Penn State's got a lot of guys coming back now. As a potential jumping off point for the Nittany Lions to take that little tiny next step, which is a giant one. They've been really good. They haven't been up to Ohio State standard and recently up to Michigan standard in terms of winning the conference championship. They had been to big bowl games. Now they've won a big one. They couldn't beat top 10 teams. Now they did. How much of a jumping off point could this be for the Nittany Lions next year? I I think it could end up being significant, Reese. I really love their young talent. When you just go pound for pound, top eight of a roster, they they would be in the same conversation as Alabama, Georgia, pick a, you know, pick a, pick a blue blood. And when you when you have Singleton, is he Nicholas? By the way, did we land on Nicholas for him? Or, did, or I think if, if you've known him for a while, you can call him Nick. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Him, I don't know. But <laughs> I just want to call him the right name. Yeah. <laughs> just call uh, him Gatorade. Yeah, there we go. And then obviously you have Katron Allen, who uh, got David Pollock to sing on College Game Day, a little uh, rendition of Fat Man, uh, Batman <laughs> ripoff. Uh, Abdul Carter <laughs> appears to be one of those next great Penn State linebackers that you, you that we've seen roll through there. Um, and you look at, and then Aller becomes the question, right? Oh, and Olu Fashanu is probably the best mm-hmm. player on their roster. Right. Like he is going to be a top five pick in the 2024 draft. He's their big, their big left tackle. He actually was Caleb Williams's left tackle at Gonzaga College High in uh, in DC, the high school power there. So when you when you just look at that young core, and here's the, the what gives me pause is this: they did not show up against Michigan this year. They got absolutely blown off the field. 410 and, yards rushing. Yeah, that's what they and, gave up. Yes. And you lose PJ Mustafer, who was a rock of that program for a long time, elite, elite, just program guy, great player there. He'll play in the NFL for a long time. Um, 
that that's the one thing that makes me say, well, you know, that that's that last step. And it's it's they're living on, you know, they're living on the cul-de-sac and not in the penthouse. And they've done a great job in the cul-de-sac. But I want a little more. I think the talent is there and there's reason to be excited and the hype train should get roaring. But I do want to see some of those last intangible pieces for how they come together in terms of toughness and in terms of just metal playing in those in those big games. Now, they played Ohio State better than anybody in the Big Ten this year, not named Michigan. I mean, they were leading in the fourth quarter of that game. Um they they went toe to toe with Ohio State and uh, and and played just fine. So I I I'm fascinated by Penn State next year. They should start the preseason in the top ten, but ultimately they're going to be judged by two dates on their schedule, and mm-hmm. they're probably better equipped for those two dates. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick them above those other two quite yet. I think y'all could y'all could help me with this real quick. Like think about Penn State and think about in the NFL right now. Micah Parsons, Saquon Barkley, Jahan Dotson, KJ Hamler, Friar Mute, Gasecki. Like, it ain't been talent. Like, we, we, we have seen so much talent in the James Franklin era run through that dang school. I mean, it's been incredible. Miles Sanders is playing for the Eagles. Like, it's mm-hmm. been incredible to watch all of those names and all of those guys. There's two things to me with Penn State. You got to find the guy at quarterback. LSU, all these years, can't beat Bama, can't beat Bama. You get the quarterback, boom, you beat Bama with Joe Burrow, right? Like, I, you, you got to get that dude. That, you know, they get field, they get fields every year. They get a fields every year, or a Stroud, whoever. They get great elite quarterback play at Ohio State. If Penn State finds a guy, the guy at quarterback, they can beat anybody. They, they can be national champions because you see the roster every year is really, really good. And all those guys you named, Carter's going to be the next guy at, at linebacker, like Singleton and Allen at running back. Like you've got Chop Robinson rushing the passer, by the way, really the other good. day. I'm, point, I'm pointing mm-hmm. out to, mm-hmm. to Reese. I'm like, watch 44. This dude's an <laughs> he was loving yeah. on Chop. <laughs> he's, he's really yeah. good. Like, big time I mean, recruit. Yeah, big time yes, guy. But, like it's not a surprise you, but, Chop flashes. Yeah, right. but, you, but you, got, you got to find that guy that can make plays in the passing game that can be the dude and Trace McSorley is good and listen that's not Clifford's been awesome they've they've been great and he's a warrior but I'm talking about the next level upper echelon talent at that position that that's going to go get drafted high that uh, and you haven't had that guy since you know what uh Kerry Collins Todd Blackledge like it's been that long since you've had a dude at quarterback don't forget Christian Hackenberg was a second round pick um, and I, Christian Hackenberg was a huge recruit, huge recruit, and, and also program in a lot of ways. And uh, and David Brian. mentioned Ohio State getting Fields. Remember, before Georgia flipped him, he was committed to Penn State. Now, how yeah. might things have changed had Ooh. Justin Fields just Ooh. gone to Penn State? Oh. You know, maybe we're having a different conversation right now. Yeah. You know, that hey. would have been dirty. Key little personnel acquisition that kind of went under the radar. Devin Carter, who was a very good receiver in the ACC at NC State, uh, was in the portal, and he chose Penn State uh, in the last 48 hours. And it was one of those that didn't make a lot of headlines, but I saw it and said, that dude's going to catch 60 balls and 10 touchdowns next year and, Mm -hmm. you know, roll in. Because the one I kind of peeked ahead for a game day hit on Monday morning, and I was looking at their two deep and kind of who's coming back for next year. And they are like a little thin at receiver. So that gives Mm -hmm. you a 22-year-old man who's going to come in and has played a lot, you know, caught a lot of big balls for for NC State over the years. So I really thought that was like one of those that 
won't get a lot of attention in real time. But next year, you know, if he's if he's second team all Big Ten, it wouldn't shock me. You know, the uh, the question will be Aller at quarterback. And Pete, mm-hmm. I know you talked a lot about him. I was watching him in warmups really close. I don't know how well he moves or how well he <clears throat> runs and can move side to side laterally, but I know this. That dude's big as a house, especially in uh, especially waist down. His his calves, I mean, holy cow! It looks like they look like a defensive lineman's calves. They're they're like as big as tree trunks. He's a giant quarterback. Uh, so he, I was he's a big, strong dude. Yeah, I was there in the spring. I, I went over to a spring practice before I went to Philly for the Sweet Sixteen, and like you know, he had early enrolled, and you kind of walk in. And you're like, which one is, oh, okay, I see him now. Like it wasn't, (laughs) you know, it wasn't like a a, a lot of that. I ended up on the phone in in the last month with a couple people at uh, at Penn State uh, for for a couple different things. At the end of the conversation, which is like, hey, Aller, what do we think here? And I asked that question, you know, mid-spring, right? Nobody really knows quite yet mid-spring. Now, physically, they liked him. He was a great kid. He worked hard. I remember Mike Yersich sitting in his office. He threw roses for how he got there, how he adjusted all the you know, go to class, all those enjoyed the the work that goes into being a quarterback, which is obviously huge and tangible. Um, but I asked a couple of people on staff, I said, Hey, is this, you know, is, is this it? Is this, and, and there was a lot of optimism, Reese, let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Nobody stood on the table and said, he's going to be first round pick, but there was like, you know, we got here and he was like, pretty good, pretty good. But just, he has kind of passed the test of time. He's flashed. Okay. In games. I'm not going to say he went in and like commanded the starting job, but he didn't, uh, he didn't, he yeah. didn't look great in games, by the way. Yeah, no, I mean, he's just looked okay, but they feel yeah. like they feel like behind the scenes that he has done a lot in terms of, in, in terms of having a presence and, and showing what he needs to do. So there is optimism. There's not like, Oh God, this guy's over, you know, sometimes guys get there and you know, it, things don't quite align and, and there's a little nerves or hesitation. They, they're ready for him to take over there. That's what I would say. And there's, there's optimism that he can, he can help them progress in the steps. They, they are. Uh, one one last thing on Penn state. One last thing that I miss from them when I watch them consistently is uh, physicality up front. Like how, how many years, like Barkley did so much by himself. Sanders did a lot by himself. Like, you know, they need some guys up front that are going to be some that don't like human beings. They're going to be some butt kickers. And and that's why I like Allen, by the way, because I think Allen brings that physical, physical element when he runs the football. And I think Penn State, you know, their offseason and the way they approach things and before next year, if they want to get to that next level, the physicality, not just the Michigan game when you give up 400 yards rushing, they, they, they got to get more physical in their lifestyle and the way they play. You know, we talk a lot about alignment within programs and sometimes uh, right guy at the right time and feeling comfortable and fit. Got a chance to uh, visit with Manny Diaz a little bit right before the game. And it, it seems like that being at Penn State was sort of the perfect tonic for him in the aftermath of what went on at Miami. And as a result, the the defense, you know, I mean, look, I know, I know that uh, Cam Rising got hurt and a lot of things happened there. But the, the defense really put the clamps down in the second half and really played much better uh, as the season went along, it seemed, for Penn State, too. So maybe a little continuity there. Um, another year with, with Manny as he, you know, 
has you know gotten over it, as it's difficult for anybody in any walk of life. You know, you you're ushered out of your previous job to kind of get things reorganized and, and start again. And I think the Penn State fit has been really good for him. And you know, maybe you'll even see the the defense take a take another step forward there. There's always going to be a little. Uh, it's just his philosophy. There's always going to be a little boomer bust with uh, you know with Manny on, on defense, and that's okay. You know, he's he's following his uh, following his philosophy. But, you know, that that'll be part of Penn State. I, I've got one last thing, one last tribute to offer. And I, I saw this online someplace and felt like that this ought to at least be mentioned because it was a game. The game itself was largely overlooked because of when it was played, the Mississippi State-Illinois game and the tributes mm-hmm. to Mike Leach. How, how pleased do you think Mike would have been to have a game in which he coached end in the bizarre fashion in which that one did with Illinois trying to lateral the ball all over the field and Mississippi State, I think it was Marcus Banks that got it and scored a touchdown uh, off the pitchy pitchy woo-woo, as they call it. Yeah, to cover, right, to cover the spread at the end. That that seemed to be as fitting a tribute as you could think of to Mike at the at the end of that game. And the offense coming through late with the last possession scoring and then before the pitchy, witchy, pitchy, witchy, woo, woo. Um, <laughs> I, by the way, I love when Ben Pell says that every single I know, time. I know, it cracks me up. Every single time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was definitely, and, and I love the the pirate uh, flag helmets, every, everything about it, man. Just a sad, sad situation um, seeing Mike Leach and the passing of him, but nice way to honor him, nice way, nice way to go out with the with the win for Mississippi State. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have heard the uh, the news conference in the aftermath for Mike. Well, you know, <clears throat> we certainly could have scored some more points, but then they start throwing it from one side of the field to the other, and at the very least, you want to stop that. And at the very best, <laughs> you know, maybe you can get it and score. You know, that would have been amazing. But uh, you know, continue. You know, continue to think about Sharon and their entire family and in the aftermath of that loss. But it was a great a great tribute. Let's talk national championship game. Pollock, I know you've already looked at this. And, and I've heard David on a couple of occasions because Jalen Carter didn't get back there and have three sacks. He didn't, you know, he didn't have all these tackles for loss. And people are saying, well, he didn't show up. And I've heard David say a couple of times that Jalen Carter won at, at times. And for sure. I mean, they were, they were giving him a lot of attention. Uh, yeah. and, and, and they did a great job. But I also call to mind what Mozzie Smith of Michigan said in the aftermath of the game against TCU of TCU's offensive line, saying those bleep bleepers not suitable for podcast language can play. Big suckers. Yeah, I, I won't say neutralize David necessarily, but keeping Jalen Carter from wrecking your game plan. Ohio State did that. Can TCU do that, or is that is that the most important matchup that you see in the early early evaluation of the national championship game? I think because because of UGA's secondary and and their struggles in the secondary, I think yeah, I mean I think you got to you got to be able to win up front. The thing about TCU that I find very interesting, I don't know exactly. I do know they have a first round wide receiver. That's that I'm 100 percent certain about. I think Miller's probably a second round pick. I think Duggan's probably a second, third round pick. He'll probably get drafted pretty, pretty high as well. Like they've got a trio at that spot that's that's really, really good. And 
you know, stopping them and stopping the system and stopping the tempo and stopping how they create space, I think is going to be incredibly difficult. You saw Michigan struggle with it. Michigan's been a great defense all year long too. Um, so I just, I think people look at, you know, TCU and it's a cute little story. Like, no, they've got serious talent and they've come together unexpectedly like they have, but, and then defensively, well, I mean, if you're talking about Jalen Carter neutralizing him, you saw CJ Stroud and you saw a great job of Ohio state moving the pocket, a great job. You saw CJ Stroud buying time. You saw him running the football. Why the heck can't you do that with Max Duggan? You absolutely can do that with Max Duggan. So I do think uh, the, the game plan that they can bring can neutralize Jalen Carter. You saw Jalen Carter sucking wind a lot too, like getting tired, playing a lot of snaps. TCU wants to do that. They want to play a ton of snaps. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I think TCU, is. if people think it's just a cute little story and they're going to get railroaded, I, I don't agree. So, again, we don't want to take, you know, TCU is going to be cast as this is this Cinderella story. Um, and I and I agree with David for most of what he said. I, I don't think Max Duggan gets drafted before the sixth round, but uh, Miller and Johnston for sure. The, the one thing that you don't want to cast them as is being small up front. Uh, their offensive line has no player shorter than 6'4", and they average 317 pounds. So I would think that is as big of an – that is an SEC-sized offensive line. Uh, I had a scout tell me a couple of weeks ago that they're going to have a guard drafted fairly high, Steve Avila. Oh, yeah. He's um, really good. And then they have two tackles who – aren't likely to go out or they're not expected right now in NFL circles to go out, but both of them will be prospects when they go. So you got three NFL talents at a minimum on your offensive line. Now their center is, is probably the the least heralded player of the five, which obviously could, could make you cringe a little bit. If you have Jalen Carter lining up, uh, lining up over him. Uh, that's uh, I think Alan Ali who transferred from, uh, from SMU this year, but he's still, you know, he was still all AAC or second team all AAC before he left. Uh but like the notion of just Georgia Zambonying them up front is is a fallacy because they are big, they are stout, and they are physical. Uh, I had a I had a scout tell me uh, that they were one of the five most physical teams he scouted this year. Just looking at them in terms of pure violence and striking on the uh, on the lines, and quite frankly, Ohio State I thought did a good job of that against Georgia, but perhaps they didn't do a great job of that against Michigan, and they mm-hmm. didn't do a great job of that against Penn State earlier in the year. So. Um, I don't think there's just like just pure physical mismatch. And look, Michigan couldn't move the ball uh, in the in the mm-hmm. run game early. I should say they scored whatever fifty point forty five points. So they, but in the run game early, what set the tone for that game, and and maybe even had them sublimely call that Philly special, probably the worst play call of the year, was that they weren't between the tackles getting a push. Now TCU crowded in four I, and they just couldn't do anything there. Now Georgia has a very good and very talented offensive line. I'm not saying they're not going to be able to move the ball, but at the, at the very least, it's just not an assumption they're going to chunk six yards of carry against TCU. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, real quick, let's not also get the assumption that, like, Ohio State lined up and mashed Georgia either. Like, TCU's not going to line up and mash Georgia. Nobody's going to line mm-hmm. up and mash mm-hmm. Georgia. That's not what you do. That's not how you beat them. Um, you beat them by – passing the football you beat them by staying you know as much as you can balanced but you beat them with quarterback run game you beat them like it wasn't I just I I I think everybody gets the notion oh Georgia's defense just wasn't real good wasn't real good I don't I'm not saying they were great at all they weren't great in the secondary and you can beat them in the secondary 
but you got to take care of the men up front first. That, that's where it all starts. And that's mm-hmm. where you're talking about TCU being big, being guys up front. Can they pass protect? Like CJ Stroud had a lot of time. CJ Stroud then created more time. Can Max Duggan create more time? He can. We've seen him do it throughout the season. We saw him do it in the Fiesta Bowl. So I think that, um, you know, the, the misnomer or the talking about physicality, physicality, there's ways to be physical and still attack the perimeter. There's ways to be mm-hmm. physical and throw the ball out wide. There's ways to be physical and run the quarterback. Like it's just, it's just not going to be, um, you know, smash mouth lineup and run it a, a ton. And, and that's not how you're going to beat Georgia. David, read that PFF stat that you you texted me yesterday. I thought that was the most fascinating uh, stat off at Ohio State. Yeah, hold on one second. I'll look it up real quick. While you're looking at it, the offensive line of communication is key for TCU. There are only seven teams in the country who had the same five guys start on the offensive line every game. That's TCU a great is stat. one of them. And That's amazing. When you, and when you throw in the Rose Bowl, I think that brought that group up to over 180 career starts. So you're you're not you're not likely to, you know, you're not going to have a lot of season. Not that Georgia's going to try to fool them, but you know, you, not a lot of miscommunications and, and you know, not handing off the right guy and all of that kind of stuff uh, from the TCU offensive line. So spread yeah. spreads really big. I think it's already come down a point. It'd be interesting to see uh, where it where it winds up by the end. I think it started at thirteen and a half, and then I saw twelve and a half, and it'll be interesting. I bet you it continues to come. I bet you it continues yeah. to drop. But Reese, if I said to you um, the secondary of Georgia and and attacking people, did you think anybody got attacked particularly like more than the other in the back end? I, I'd have to I'd have to look uh, because. I know that I would go, uh-oh, whenever I saw Harrison on Lassiter, but that might have been that might have been by reputation. Uh, no, no you're, so exactly, you're, exactly, that right? you're exactly right. Because I think people talked about me and Pete had a debate about this going into the um going into the into the Peach Bowl. We were like all these coordinators and all these people that talk and people that say attack Ringo, attack Ringo, like he's not very good. He's overrated. And I said, and we talked about it, like from a first round standpoint, maybe you say that. So targeting anyone else outside of Kilo, Keely Ringo, CJ Stroud was 17 for 18 for 279 oh yards and three touchdowns. And oh. Lassiter was, Lassiter had no clue what was going on. And listen, Harrison's a freak, by the way. He's, he's yeah, the best yeah. of the best, but, yeah. but he had no shot. Ringo was targeted 13 times. Six completions for 69 yards and a touchdown. So you can live you know, with that. <laughs> I mean, it's a different guy. You can live, live with that. that. And yeah. maybe you the can... biggest defensive play of the game on the slant yep. that, that yeah. makes the what would have been a 38 yard field goal keeps it at 50. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Great I, point, just, Pete. Yeah. It's just it's just very interesting. Um, you know, and and the way they play defense again, Kirby's Kirby and and Nick they've always been greedy. Right. They've always been aggressive. They're always going to make try to mess up your timing and make you make accurate throws and make you be great. So Max Duggan will have to be great. But thought that was an, an interesting note, considering we talked a lot about that going in. Well, here we are two days before Lou Holtz's birthday and you have inadvertently given me an oh, opportunity. I knew it was to do coming, my by the way. You knew it? <laughs> oh, yeah. let, let me tell you something about going to get Nick's name, but he is a greedy sucker. He doesn't want to give you one yard. You might as well try to get 40. 
<laughs> That's what Lou always said. Tennis, and it, Tennessee it agreed, down, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and it, uh, it trickles down to Kirby, though, because you mentioned it earlier. You're not going to just bludgeon them with the run game, whoever you are. So why in the world? I mean, especially with the receivers from TCU, who probably uh, would like to play a little better than they just crazy they that is to say they were probably awful. like to play better than they did against Michigan uh, in the they, championship. They, they were awful. Yeah. They, they 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 were responsible for both of Duggan's picks because it, and, and and I say responsible. You're talking about balls bouncing right off of their hands, going right to Michigan players. Like they they did not make they did not have their best game at all when it comes to catching the football, making plays. Uh, Johnston made some big plays for him. He wasn't he wasn't the reason. He's definitely a big strong animal. When you think about Harrison having. So much success. Johnston's going to have to play big and and be great in that game because you need a guy outside that you can trust to win. Yeah, my worry about Johnston is that you know people are going to say, "Oh, Harrison torched him. Johnston will too." They're very different receivers. I really feel like now Quinn Johnson is going to be the, in my opinion, the the top receiver picked in this in this upcoming draft. But I don't think he's as nuanced of a route runner, and I don't think he's as sophisticated of a player as Harrison. Harrison can do a lot more. Johnston, to me, is very linear. He's very up and down the field. He is very straight line, and he's elite at that. And that's going to make him a lot of money in a Sammy Watkins-ish kind of way. But Johnston on third and six, you know, kind of sneaking behind the chains and catches him, that isn't really his game. So I wonder if, if Georgia can maybe take advantage of some of those limitations. By the way, that just tells you how good Marvin Harrison Jr. is. Johnston's going to be the first receiver taken, and it ain't even close to debatable Mm -hmm. how much better Marvin Harrison Jr. is, by the way, than everyone else in college football. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Because not only is he nuanced, he's got quick twitch, he's got long stride, long speed, he's got contested catches. Uh, I mean, he knows how to, uh, he knows the details of route running. That dude's, that dude's superhuman. I mean, he is un, the only way to stop him is to, is to be physical with him and hit him as hard as you can, like Buller did. And I mean, that, that's the only way they had a chance of, of not, of him not going off. And if I'm Ohio State, I'd have thrown the ball every play. I mean, just <laughs> drop back, drop back and find 18. I don't care what the coverage is and what it dictates, just throw it to that guy. Yeah. The, the old him plays. I don't care yeah. what the defense is. I don't care what the route scheme is. The him plays. Throw it to him. Okay. So, you you so go good. back. Hit your last step. Throw it to him and, and mm-hmm. let him make a make a play. It'll be there's a whole off season to do podcasts about this, but Marvin Harrison Jr. and next year and a new quarterback and, and all of that in terms of uh productivity. Are you does he, does he play? No, 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 not at all. I, I, w- I would be very surprised. He's based playing. On, yeah, yeah he's no, playing. I, I'm not. Yeah, I was not suggesting that at all. Just suggesting getting, getting full uh, value out of his skill with a new quarterback, new system. And, you know that Ryan Day's proven time and time again. I'll continue to assuming Ryan Day's the coach at Ohio State, which I assume that he will be, because I imagine there might be some NFL people who would like for him to be their coach. But assuming that he's back and everything. Is uh is Stetson Bennett cool. back next year? Does he have any more eligibility left? Or is he, is he... <laughs> but by the way, I, I 25. Gave... Yeah, <laughs> 25. He's, he's 25. It's okay. And I don't know that there's any way that the final scene of the movie can be written in any other fashion other than Stetson elevating elevating that trophy while he was on the podium to get the MVP award again in a in a playoff game. 
he was telling uh, Javon Bullard and, and when telling Nolan Smith too, who's hurt, but telling everybody around who would listen, we get to prepare another week. We get, and not in a, not in a rah-rah, you know, grind it out kind of coachy McCoacherson way, but sort of in that, that weird Stetson kind of way of, you know, of, we get to prepare another week, you know, stuff. Yeah, dude, and, and, and how about, and how yeah. about something's never changed. Dude went 10 for 12 for over 190 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth quarters, fourth quarter and showed some onions. I mean, oh yeah, we're watching. We're watching the side. We're watching the side and, and the side set. And the throw he throws to Bowers over the middle. I amazing. still hadn't figured out how it how it got in there. It's like the Pro Bowl back in the day when they used to hit those targets 40 yards down the field and they went right through the center. And you're like, God, that's impressive. It was just stupid. And and, and only Kirby could go, you know, post game and go. Our quarterback's got to be better. He's got he's got to do more. He's got to. He can't have those lulls and can't have those mishaps. He threw for four hundred. He threw for four hundred. We we've given we've given our friends at Pro Football Focus a whole bunch of love, and I, I have uh, tweaked them about. It. I don't understand why a perfect quarterback rating has to be one hundred fifty eight point three. That's the advantage QBR has, and that it's on a zero to one hundred scale that makes a lot more sense. But at any rate, in the fourth quarter, according to their own tweet. Fourth quarter, Stetson Bennett on a 158.3 perfect quarterback rating scale was 158.3. He, he did have two incompletions, but he had a perfect quarterback rating in the fourth quarter. And that last one that got in, Van Pelt asked me after the game about, you know, impressions, moments of Stetson. And I said, I don't think fearless totally describes what he did on that throw to Bowers. His you know, if you'll, if you'll pardon the language, his give a damn is busted in terms of worrying about negative repercussions of his decisions on the field. And that's a, that's a, it's a fine line because I don't view Stetson as reckless. He's he's crossed over that divide for maybe when he first started playing, when he would be occasionally reckless. But he's like at the perfect spot in that area, in my judgment of being fearless unafraid of the consequences not going oh that might get picked there's nothing in him that triggers he he just he just turns it loose and there is danger for defenses against a, a quarterback who has that you know now will he throw a ball into will he throw an interception well he did it the other night yes he will but that's also dangerous because when he hit bowers on that play it's easy to say now because it happened i was like they're in I mean, it was like, ain't no way he's coming off that field. I just went back muscle shoals on you right there. Ain't no way Um, that he is walking off that field until they scored a touchdown. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty amazing story and it's hard to, hard to believe the script would end any other way than with him getting another national championship. Yeah, and the movie, whoever's going to write the movie. That's um, already underway from what I've heard, too. And I'm sure I mean, you know, and, and yeah. you should, yeah. and, and you're yeah. going to make a lot of money. And it's yeah. going to be a, and it's going to be a great story, but it just, it doesn't make sense. And, and I think he's got that attitude, Reese, because he's been told he sucked for so long and he's been yeah. told he's not good enough. And he's been told you can't play at this level. And by the way, I'm not just talking about fans, I'm talking about coaches. I'm talking about coaches on that staff. His they coach, have, his yeah. coach all of his coaches, coordinator. Yeah. Calling the plays for him right now told him if he wanted to play, 
you probably should go somewhere else before the season started a year ago. So I think he's just gotten to the point where I let it rip. I let it go. And, and he's got a moxie and a savvy about him. And, and the guys flipping love him. I mean, they absolutely, they want to go to war with that guy because he never blames anybody. He takes accountability. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. And, and you see it. And, and it's, it's something to admire, man. It's hard. It's hard to find people like that. You know, there's so much things to, oh crap, this could go wrong. And if this happens, you know, we lose. And there's a lot, mm-hmm. I've played with a lot of players like that, that they, they just don't want to lose and they play to not lose. And then there's people that in the biggest stage and the brightest moment, they're like, nah, let's let it rip. Let's go get it. And he's, he's proven to be one of those guys. And that's why it's been a, a magical run. By the way, the Brock Bowers play on um, fourth down and short, I still haven't figured out how the freak that happened. Oh, like man. Yeah. he literally went Neo and took the blue pill and dodged a bullet. Like I don't <laughs> understand. He levitated. I, I, he, he did. He levitated and swung his foot around. But if that doesn't happen and then you don't get the field goal and you don't get the two point conversion and so many things in that game had to go well for Georgia because they dug themselves a hole in Ohio state looked like the better team, the majority of the game. And, and I can tell you this, Reese, and you know this personally, as a Georgia fan all these years, we've left the Alabama game going, we won that game, but we lost it on the field. Jalen Hurts came in or two a time or a reverse. They reversed the order the next year, you know, whether it was two of the first time, Jalen the second time, and you leave the field and you go, God, we should have won that game. And now you leave that field and you go, shouldn't have won that one. <laughs> Got away with that one. Let, let me ask you this, because I'm probably the least pop cultured of this group. Who plays Stetson in the movie? Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you with pop culture. I have no clue. I don't. Uh, that's, that's, that's a tough Is there a young up. Ben Affleck? Like, <laughs> it, would know, be like, some, it would be somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they ever make a Cam Rising movie, then it's going to be Johnny Depp. That, yes. Uh, that, there's no question. Like, yeah, that, yeah. It kind of looks that's like easy. It. Uh, yeah, well, maybe our listeners can throw it in our, uh, our mentions when we, uh, when we tweet the pot out, uh, we yeah, probably have idea. much better cu- cultured, uh, listeners than, uh, than that, but a yeah. small professor somewhere teaching history somewhere or teaching English. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, I would say it wouldn't be a small professor. I would say it would be a small, uh, a small golf pro or a small yachtsman <laughs> someplace, you know, Stetson Bennett, the fourth, I get off the yacht Stetson. Let's come in and play some football. You know, this <laughs> sadistic ground acquisition sport that you seem to enjoy, you know, you know, it's a, uh, it's somebody like that, isn't it? Yeah. He, he I don't know. He, he, he doesn't have that personality. I know. I know he saying, doesn't. I know. It, that's part he's, of He's, he's more too. like the, if you can see on the pod, he's more like the, <laughs> I'm not sure you could do that, but anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, I just did. Uh, yeah. he's, he, he's more of the, uh, and, and, and I can tell you this is, is I, w- I would love to be more detailed, but I'm not going to be. Um, but like the stories that you hear about Stetson Bennett and, um, and what he is, like you talk about his give a dang being busted. Like imagine being Kirby, who is a control freak, uh, do it this way, do it this way. This is how we do it. And then you got a 25 year old quarterback. That's like, nah, I'm good. Let's just, let's just let it rip. Like whatever happens, happens. Um, needless to say, there's some, there's some funny dynamics between those two. That's for sure. And, and I think that too. Yeah. You correct me if I'm wrong. When we say all this stuff, 
we're not implying for one second that he doesn't prepare his tail off and, and all of that stuff, right? I mean, in terms of film, he like he's going to know everything inside. Out. We're not saying that at all. So. Oh no, yeah. it's, it's just more he's his personality of yeah. And yeah. so many people have left him, you know, high and dry and just didn't mm-hmm. think he could do it. That he's just like, all right, watch this. Yeah, yeah. You, I uh, think so, um, when Stetson's in his forties and he goes back for uh, you know the the twenty year reunion of last year's title team, and maybe it's there's another one for this year's title team. He's not going to say, "Man, I wish I had more fun at Georgia." <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the impression that I've gotten because you're that's around true. some of these college guys that they're like, "Man, I took it so serious. I was tight. I didn't, you know, like David was saying, some guys like are just so overwhelmed by the magnitude of the situation they're in and the moment they're in that they go to bed at ten and they live like very very disciplined lives. I do not get the impression <laughs> from our uh, my sources on the streets in Athens that Ol Stetson uh, has lost a lot of last calls. Yeah. No, <laughs> probably, probably, probably not. There's an entire off season. We brought up, you know, what if, uh, what if Justin Fields had gone to Penn State? What if uh, Yursich and, and uh, not Yursich, Yursich is at Penn State, Munkin and uh, and Kirby had run off Stetson. We should do a what if offseason podcast with some of that stuff. Just that'd be fun. Uh, that'd be fun. Cover, have, have to cover it up. Gentlemen, By the way, ready? I Googled top dark haired actors under 30, and I don't yeah. know any of them. So I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna throw out a few names, but I if I don't know them, you guys probably don't either. But yeah, yeah there's some there's some there's some guys who can play Stetson. That, that, yeah, we'll, we'll find that that's gonna be the question when, when we tweet out the pod. There's gonna be uh a lot more time to talk about the national championship game. Guys, this has been fun this morning. We'll do another one later on. Of course, all of us on our way to the greater Los Angeles area for the national championship game, Georgia and TCU Monday night from SoFi Stadium. We'll have all kinds of coverage. College game day will be there. Looking forward to seeing you guys out there. This was fun this morning. See you, Dave. Peace. Thanks, Reese. We'll see you in LA. Thanks, David. All right. Thank you for listening to the College Game Day podcast. Download the podcast wherever it is you enjoy acquiring your podcast.